1: Hello and welcome to another episode of Tech Talks, where we talk about mountain bike nerdy things. Um, my name's Seb Stott, and I'm sat here with Tom Marvin once again. And this week, we're going to talk about uh, springs, suspension springs. We're going to talk about air springs and coil springs, and why you m- might want one or the other. Um, it's, I mean, if you've, you know, if you follow mountain
0: biking over the past 10, 15, 20, 30 years... Coil springs and air springs have evolved in different ways. I I guess more aggressive bikes tended to come with a coil sprung shock and or fork. And over the years, we've seen the general progression of air springs in forks and shocks for cross-country and trail because they tend to be lighter.
1: Yeah, well, that's that's, that's one of the main reasons. But there are are other reasons why one might want air. I I think one of the main ones is it's easier to set up. All you need is a shock pump to adjust the spring rate. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're easy to sell because you don't have to sell...
0: Different springs.
1: Different springs. Don't have to make a load of different coil spring options. Yeah. Um, and then tell teach people how to... how to uh, Work out what they need. Replace them and work out what they need. Uh, you just say, here's a bike, here's a shock pump. Off you go. Off you go, find what you, what works for you.
0: But recently there's been more and more bikes and more and more aftermarket options for either replacing the shock on your bike with a coil one for trail bikes Mm -hmm. we're talking here now yeah and also there's quite a number of interesting coil conversions for your air fork so what we sort of wanted to discuss today is the differences between them and why you might swap from air to spring air to coil yeah and potentially vice versa as well
1: yes yeah so um
0: well, the main what the main I mean the main physical difference is obviously that a coil spring has a steel or titanium coiled spring which sits on the outside of effectively a damping rod you know so one provides yeah. the spring spring <laughs> and then one provides you know then you've got the damping in there on yeah. an air thing you have uh, an air can which is a spring which is sort of has seals and and all this sort of jazz yeah. keeping it all in a nice relatively lightweight package
1: yeah um so, so there are a lot of reasons why, there are a lot of reasons for and against. Um, I guess, so, so the place to start is probably the fact that most bikes, most trail bikes, enduro bikes have air suspension front and rear, from from the factory. Um, Fox and Rock shocks, I think, only make air sprung forks. Um, smaller brands like Cane Creek, Olin's. MRP etc they have air and coil options mm-hmm.
0: at the trail and enduro market because I the think in downhill injury. I think you can get a coil boxer still
1: no not anymore can you not so the latest boxer downhill fork is air only the Fox 40 downhill fork is air only mm-hmm. as well ok um, so the bigger brands and the um, the um, bike companies as in you buy a bike as a bike they're moving away from coil even mm-hmm. in downhill whereas uh, smaller companies aftermarket suppliers are getting big into coil i think as a way to compete and yeah, so it differentiates differentiate. them. yeah so you can buy a lot of shocks now from Marzocchi, mrp xfusion push that are coil shocks to quote unquote upgrade your bike mm-hmm. um you can also buy Aftermarket forks or fork upgrade kits from, again, Push or um, Vorsprung suspension that mm-hmm. have a, that are a coil conversion for your air fork.
0: You just take the top cap off that air spring side, and just drop in a coil.
1: Uh, yeah, I think it's. I'm not sure exactly how complicated the procedure is, but basically you take the air spring out, put a coil spring in. Jobs are good. Em. Jobs are good. Um, so reasons why you might want to do that. Um, firstly. Um, well a coil spring is linear so the the spring rate is the same throughout the travel that doesn't mean that the the force that the spring has is the same throughout the travel what it means is that the increase in force for every increase in travel Mm -hmm. is the same throughout the stroke so um, this is uh, the spring rate is measured usually in pounds per inch or newtons per millimetre it's the increase in force per increase in travel um, so with a coil spring, that's that's linear; it stays the same. So that the spring force goes up linearly. Yeah. Um, whereas with an air spring, um, a lot of people say, "Well, an air spring is progressive." Mm-hmm. That's true, but only in the last part of the travel. In the first part of the travel, it's the opposite. It's digressive. It's digressive. So it's a, an air spring. If you compare an air spring to a coil spring. Coil spring, nice and simple, just a straight line. Mm-hmm. Uh, with every increase in travel, you get the same increase in spring force. However, an air spring is relatively firmer in the very beginning part. Mm-hmm. So you, in theory, get less good kind of small bump that off the top sensitivity. Yeah. So the bike doesn't want to settle into the first part of its travel as nicely, uh, which you can perceive as as less traction and, and a harsher feel when you're in the beginning beginning part of the travel, but also it'll feel less settled into its travel and will want to rebound out of its travel towards top out mm-hmm. a little bit more readily, re- readily yeah. um, because it has that higher spring force in the very first part uh, before sag. You know, you'd always compare with the same sag. So if you have both shocks have 30% sag, um, then obviously the spring force is by definition the same mm. at 30% travel. And then if you compare the air and coil springs, the the air spring will be firmer in the first 30%. But it will be actually slightly softer, generally, in the middle middle part of the travel, Mm -hmm. depending on how progressive it is. So you'll have a spring that's firmer in the very beginning, but slightly softer in the middle.
0: Where you kind of want that support.
1: Where you want it to kind of hold up and stay closer to the sag point. So you're pushing into a corner, you don't want the fork to dive through its travel too easily. Um, and then it ramps up again towards the end.
0: Giving you that sort of progression, yeah. b- reducing the sort of the bottom out.
1: Yes, and that's the point you can adjust with volume spaces in the air spring, which is a, a big advantage. Yeah. So you can adjust the bottom out force independently of the sag, mm. which, which is a, a great advantage of air springs, and that's something that people know a lot about. Mm-hmm. Um, but they maybe don't realize that that they're probably going to have less support earlier in, this, in the travel, yeah. in, in the kind of middle part.
0: I guess the the other benefit or difference between the two is is friction. And this is key in certainly, you know, in, in air suspension, one of the things that sort of causes that little bit harshness or resists, you know, sort of high-frequency suspension working is friction within the system. So yeah. because an air spring has to withstand, you know, like you, you put 100 PSI or 80 to 100 PSI on your forks and then you compress it... the. You know, the pressure inside is going to build up and it has to be sealed. So there has to yeah. be friction from the, from the you know, the seals that are in there. The coil spring has way less friction because it doesn't need to be sealed in this way. The, obviously, the damper's got sealing in it, but you've taken away a massive amount of friction from that.
1: Uh, yeah, and I think that that um, can be significant, especially in the fork, because mm-hmm. you have a one-to-one ratio between the amount the axle moves and the amount the spring has to move. Mm-hmm. Uh, probably less so in the shock. Mm-hmm. Um, because you have that mechanical advantage between the wheel and the and the shock. Um, but yeah, that is certainly another advantage. So you have that linear spring curve where it's softer at the start, but you also have less friction throughout the stroke. Mm. Uh, that's another theoretical advantage. Um, but I think it's worth saying at this point that those advantages are actually diminishing um, yes. because air springs are getting better. So friction is being reduced through all sorts of means, better seals better grease lubrication Uh, but to a much the main thing that is improving is that air springs are becoming more linear so they're becoming more like a coil anyway in terms of the spring rate Mm -hmm. so they have less of that firm beginning stroke um, and they have less of that mid-stroke wallow so we quite often are guilty of using this phrase supple off the top and supportive yeah. mid-stroke and it just Classic. sounds it sounds like bullshit because it's it's repeated so often hmm. but it is i think it is the best way to describe how a modern air spring or a coil spring compares to an older air spring yeah it it's if you if you ride um an older air spring now like pre um, Rockshox brought out their debonair springs. Mm-hmm. Fox brought out their evil springs, at roughly the same time. Both of which had much more negative, negative volume, which basically means the spring curve is is much more evened out. So that extra negative volume eases it into the stroke at the start of the at the start of the travel. So it has softer beginning stroke like a coil, but then that negative pressure kind of dies away, so you get more um, support in the mid stroke. Mm. Um, so, yeah, it's become a massive cliche, but it, it's really important. It's a really big change that's happened to air springs over the last five, six years, say. Um, and uh, and companies like Vorsprung supplied kind of third party upgrades like the Vorsprung Corset um, air can upgrade, which gave you more negative volume for the yeah. same reason as the Evol um, and, the, and the Debonair air cans. So, that. That particular advantage has diminished, and it's it's kind of remarkable that um, that people used air springs to begin with because they used if you ride a one before the debonair and the the evil they were awful by mm-hmm. comparison. You know they they just did not settle into the start of the travel. They didn't want to sag, mm-hmm. and then if you got them to sag, they would just wallow through the the middle of the travel really badly. So um, that advantage has diminished, which is probably why we see. More air springs on stock bikes, mm-hmm. so and stock so, more
0: aggressive bikes. As yeah,
1: well. you know, downhill bikes are pretty much all air sprung now, mm-hmm. uh, at least on the fork. Yeah,
0: um,
1: and and increasingly so on the shock as well. Um, but coil still has advantages. So it's it's. Um, I don't think anyone's made a, an air spring which has which is fully linear at the start of the stroke. So it still has that slightly firmer beginning stroke, and as you say, there's there's friction as well. Mm-hmm. And then the the final advantage of coil is is to do with heat. Yeah. And this and this really only only really affects the shock. Um, so in an air shock, you have a damper, which is there to dissipate the energy of the suspension and stop it just bouncing. But that generates a lot of heat. And in an air shock, that heat is being generated inside inside the, air, the shock inside the air spring. So the the air spring sort of insulates the damper. Mm. So it it exacerbates that effect doesn't allow the heat to escape as easily but also the air itself heats up um, because of the heat generated in the damper so you get a so as you go on a long rough descent damper oil will heat up and so become less viscous so you'll get less damping force but you'll also get the air will heat up so it'll become higher pressure so you'll get more spring force so those two effects combined give you a much more springy yeah. ride, less damped. Um, so that can that causes a lot of people to get bucked. Mm. So the classic example would be the final jump on Fort William, Fort William downhill. Very long, rough track, sort so of almost five minutes of descending at that point. The shocks are heated up. And then you hit that final jump, which is really kicky, and loads of people get bucked on it. Yeah. Because, because the shocks have become firmer and less damped um so which is dangerous if nothing else it's unpredictable and dangerous whereas a coil is much more consistent the the damping will still heat up the damping oil will heat up but not to as much extent mm-hmm.
0: and it's much more open to the elements exactly
1: yeah um but also the spring will stay the same yeah and then air is also affected just by ambient temperature mm. so if you if you set up your air suspension in a 20 degree Celsius room mm-hmm. in your garage, and then you go out riding in the winter where it's minus ten. So that's a thirty degree Celsius difference in temperature, which is roughly ten percent of of the absolute temperature in measured, measured in Kelvin. So you'll have roughly ten percent less pressure, which is significant. Yeah, you know, that could take your two hundred psi shock down to one eighty psi, and that is quite noticeable. It's definitely noticeable.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, obviously, that's an extreme example, but but temperature affects it. Mm. Um, just ambient temperature. As, w- as well as that, um, the heating up. Mm. And um, Nico Vulio was talking about setting his shock with 35% sag and a click too much rebound damping mm-hmm. compared to what he, his ideal settings were. Knowing that halfway down a descent, the shock's gonna firm up, yep. he's gonna have less sag, and the rebound's gonna get faster.
0: And he's gonna end up with a 30% sag and the rebound where he needs it. Exactly. When he's getting tired and when he's perhaps less able to cope with variations in how the bike's performing.
1: Yeah, the last thing you want when you're tired is your spring rate getting firmer and your damping getting less controlled. Yeah. And that's exactly what you get with an air shock.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, less so in a fork because the damper and the spring are separate. Yeah. Um, but certainly with a shock, that's a major advantage mm-hmm. of a coil shock. Um, but again, the latest shocks. Uh again better. Yeah, so... so Piggyback um,
0: shock. I mean, that's why piggyback exists pretty much, right?
1: Yeah, that's one of the main reasons. It, it allows a lot of the damping to be done outside mm-hmm. of the air spring and allows the, the heat to dissipate a little better. Um, so,
0: it, it you know, let's take me as an example. I've got a 150mm trail bike. Yeah. And the, the trail bike I've got, it's a specialised stump jumper Evo. Yeah. I can put a coil shock in that if I want. Yeah, and up front it's got a Fox Rhythm thirty six, and I could in theory drop a coil spring into that fork. Yeah, so push for example, they they've got a relatively new one. It came out late last year. Um, and it's a coil spring. What's interesting about this one is we, we talk about the differences in terms of how the, the springs feel through their entire travel and how with an air spring they ramp up towards the end whereas a coil doesn't. Yeah. So the Push product has for the last I think 30-ish percent of its travel I could be wrong on that exactly but it has a little air spring at the bottom of the coil spring yeah. to give that end stroke progression. Yeah. It's quite a cool, you know, quite a nice little neat idea. Yeah. If I want to have my you know, Stumpy Evo, should I go coil?
1: What? So, so one of the things to consider is the 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 linkage on on the frame mm. on the shock. Um, so, with it with a coil spring, as we say, it's linear. So, if you want if you want thirty percent sag, then it means well. Let's do it for a simpler maths. Mm. Say you want twenty five percent sag. Mm-hmm then that means that because you have a linear spring rate at bottom out it will have will require four times that force so it, uh, at sag that's your weight is mm-hmm. on the bike so that gives you 25% of the travel so to get 100% of the travel with a coil shock you need four times that much force yeah so if you had generate 4g in a in a mm-hmm. bottom out in a landing you'll bottom out the shock um but that might not be enough um so, some people might want to run more than twenty five percent sag mm-hmm. and they may want more bottom out force than that and uh, if you have a linear bike, so the leverage ratio between the rear axle and the shock remains roughly the same mm-hmm. um then the only way to do that is with an air shock yeah however the the stumpy is is slightly progressive, so you'll get a bit more bottom out force mm-hmm. for a given amount of sag um but but you're you're tied to that. You're tied to whatever progression the frame has. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the only way to get more bottom out resistance is to decrease the sag mm-hmm. or increase compression damping, particularly high speed compression damping, uh, which has its associated, which has other pro- which has advantages and disadvantages. Um, and I suppose you can fit a bigger bottom out bumper. Mm-hmm. So so coil shocks, I find most of the time, just bottom out way more often. Than, than what I would normally set up a an air shock, yeah. however, they have a much bigger bottom up bumper, which means it doesn't matter as much. Mm. So it's less of a of a sudden impact. It's, it and becomes l- damped at the ends of it. Yeah, to some extent, and it and it um is less noisy. It's less off putting when you're riding it. You don't feel that sharp force Bird. through your, through your feet, and you don't hear that clang, which mm. is really disconcerting. Um, so bottom up bumpers are a big part of the. Um, of of the appeal of a coil shock, yeah. I think, but but again, air shocks are are making inroads there. Like the latest Float X two has a quite a substantial bottom out bumper, mm-hmm. um, so you can bottom it out without it having that horrible kind of clang, yeah, um, that you get with with most air shocks. Yeah. But what's interesting about what's happening now is that all these smaller brands bringing out lots of coil alternatives or upgrades, just as air springs are really starting to improve mm. um, but as we say there are some 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 advantages to be had with coil so they're heavier it's much harder to adjust the spring rate you know you've got to actually swap a spring yeah you can't just adjust it with a shock pump you can't control the bottom out force independently of the sag um, but they do have they still have less friction yeah and they still have a subtler beginning stroke yeah and they have that predictable,
0: Con- constant the
1: spring rate all the way through, yeah. which, which arguably makes them more predictable. Yeah. And they won't change with altitude. They won't change on a long run. Mm. And that's enough for a lot of people. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I think you and I both both like the feel of a coil spring. I, I put a coil on, on some bikes.
0: Yeah, I had a transition scout for, well, I've still got it. And that came with a monarch shock. This was pre pre-metric link shocks. So it came with a, yeah. with a Monarch. But it was a
1: Debonair Monarch shock. Yeah, it was a, you know. good, a good air spring, it wasn't like an old school one.
0: Yeah, it wasn't a piggyback one, yeah. it was a single can thing, but it was fine. But I put a Cane Creek uh, DB coil inline
1: mm. um,
0: shock on there, which just fitted. And it f- felt incredible, comparatively so. Yeah. You know, it, it had that mid-stroke support. The, the, the frame itself is fairly progressive anyway. So it did bottom out, but again, not quite as much as you might expect it to. I think it's a frame that definitely suited a coil shock. Yeah. And you know, I rode it a lot in the Alps and long sort of rattly descents. The rear wheel just felt glued to the floor, and it it feels still does. It feels incredible. Yeah. I left that bike out. Um, a friend of mine guides in in France, and I left that bike out for half a season or so, for logistical reasons of having to go to Eurobike, sadly. Um, and he rode it, you know, fairly often in those six weeks that he he had it. And he then since changed his his trail bike, he had a white, um, one of the 150 mil whites, G150, S150, and he put the same shock on there and absolutely swears by it. And so, yeah, I mean, that was a coil shock that I then I put on a trail bike. And, you know, one of the nice things about the a lot of the coil shocks that come in on the market that certainly wasn't available in the past is a lockout or a climb switch. And that makes, you know, this suppleness of a coil shock or that sort of supple feeling that you got generally doesn't feel great when you're pedaling up a hill because they they can feel very active. And that was the difference that I Mm. found was that shock not locked out versus the Monarch, it did not pedal as well.
1: I wonder if that's a difference in the damping though. Mm-hmm. Rather than in the spring, because a coil spring should, in theory, have more mid-stroke support. But
0: even so, the, it should pedal better around the sag point. It just it felt yeah. very,
1: very active because there's that's, no friction. Probably because yeah, less friction, but also I think more less low-speed damping. Mm-hmm. Rock shocks tend to put a lot of damping at very low speeds, mm. so that will will take out some of that that bob. Uh, I w- I would have thought that would be a difference in damping rather mm-hmm. than spring, but. Um, but then having that climb oh, switch, having a climb switch, yeah, is and the King Creek one is really good because it slows down compression and rebound, yeah. so it's just it's so much nicer to pedal sat down because the bike doesn't bounce.
0: Yeah, but um, you, you're seeing that now on a range. You know, Rockshox have the same for their for their. Yeah, coil they shocks. have a
1: climb switch. Yeah, a lock, a compression lockout. Anyway. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So you can now have a coil shock. You can even have a remote lockout if you want. Mm. So that so they're more uh, they're more catering towards short travel bikes that are designed to be pedaled. Mm. Um, which is interesting because air shocks are also, you know, moving into the the really long travel applications like downhill bikes because, you know, they've got softer off the top because they're bigger negative, better heat management, less friction. So the kind of the categorization of where a coil and where an air shock belongs is is definitely blurring in Mm. in both directions Mm. um, as technology improves. But so should we finish just by nailing down well, not nailing down, but giving some pointers on why you would want, like what kind of person would benefit yeah. from a coil. Because air is pretty much the standard nowadays. Yeah. But you might want to coil if...
0: Your frame is nicely progressive.
1: Yes, and, and has a progression that suits you because you can't then adjust it with a yeah. coil. Um, so single pivot, like true single pivots like an orange, mm-hmm. generally not progressive at all, probably not. Going to suit a coil spring unless you want to use full travel a lot of the time, which some people do. Mm-hmm. Um, you're probably even with a relatively progressive frame, going to have a limited amount of bottom out force with a coil if you want, say, thirty percent sag. Yeah. Um, so, again, it's for someone who who doesn't want that super progressive feel that you get with an air spring.
0: Right at the end of the stroke.
1: Yeah. Uh, someone who isn't too bothered about the extra weight, mm-hmm. because um, I weighed a super deluxe air and a super deluxe coil uh, with a 500 pound spring uh, for a 160 mil bike, and the difference in weight was nearly 500 grams. Yeah, so that's that's quite it's a lot. A that's fair chunk. It's about the difference in weight between a good carbon frame and alloy. Mm-hmm. So it's, you know, people pay a lot of money for that yeah. weight saving. Uh, so that's something to consider.
0: But if you're going to go and do lots of long rough descents. Yeah, then a coil is probably going to be if it works with your frame and the way you ride. Yeah, probably a good thing. It's
1: still going to have a bit more traction. It's mm-hmm. still going to be a bit more supple off the top than than even modern air springs, mm-hmm. but not by a huge amount. Yeah, I think the main advantage nowadays of coil is the heat management and yeah. the, the consistency over long runs and in changes of temperature as well. Yeah, yeah.
0: And that's, we, we, we've talked, we have talked mostly about shocks because that's obviously where they're more visible. There are similar but slightly different benefits in forks, but we won't sort of wrap yeah. it on about I, I that too I think in much. forks,
1: the sensitivity advantage is probably bigger because you don't have that, that leverage. Yeah. But the heat managed advantage is that's not fair. really existent because, um, well, certainly not in terms of long runs because the damper is separate yeah. from the spring in a fork.
0: The one thing is probably is worth noting, just before we finish off, if you are going to drop a coil conversion into your air fork, the way they work is it's a metal coil spring inside what would have been an air spring fork. So the inside of your forks can get a little bit scratched up and it probably will invalidate your warranty.
1: Probably, yeah. Not 100% sure about that, but they might do. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So just be aware of, of that.
1: And the other thing, when you're looking at coils... Uh, make sure you can get a wide variety of spring rates Mm. because that's absolutely key is to get the right spring rate. Nothing is more fundamental to your suspension. And uh, some brands, some forks, uh, the coil version, they only come with like three different spring rates. Mm. And that's, in my opinion, that's just not enough.
0: If it doesn't work for you, then you... Yeah,
1: the gaps are going to be too big.
0: Yeah. And changing springs on a coil shock, for example, isn't necessarily particularly cheap, so...
1: Yeah. Yeah, so bear that in mind. Okay. Okay. Lovely, let's end it there.
0: Yeah, well, thanks for listening. Um, If you've got any comments, please leave them on the various platforms that you're able to do that. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast because we'll be putting out loads more um, as we go along. Um, Thanks for listening. Thank you for listening to the Bike Radar Podcast. If you want any more information on what we've been talking about or more news and views on cycling, check out bikeradar.com.